testing one, two, three. This is what, February 5th, 1995. All right. My question to you is, because um, you had asked me the question on responding to Derek Bell. I'd like to write him, actually. But um, my question to you is, quite briefly, what, what are the keynotes that were helpful to you? And what do you think most of the people walked out with? What did, what did it say to most of the people? Uh, book title fashion. I don't know what the the uh, I don't know what people walked out with. Um, I, I guess the keynotes to me were it, it's always nice to see uh, someone who challenges authority and who does so. Uh, consciously and explicitly and tries to recruit others to do so. Mm -hmm. And so he's an organizer and an activist in that way. You know, from the time, you know, and I didn't take his speech just as a speech, but from the time I walked into Strongbow's, it, it was, hey, come over here, I'm Derek Bell. Uh, join the conversation kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he was talking to students about how, uh, you know, things don't change in the university without the student engine behind them. And that, you know, the faculty may have the right ideas. They may want to hire more women, more minorities. There were none 30 years ago, et cetera. And then, um, and I was kind of disarmed by that because his book and the stuff that I think he says about racism is, is it permanence? Uh, I got to get his book. Is, is uh, you know, he talks about the permanence of racism in this society and how black Americans experience it as, you know, though things are different, um, they're not all that different. And as the space trader story says, is black Americans' worst fear of what might happen. And and then he goes on to say that it's, you know, it, in some ways, we have traded, and that's a very harsh and kind of depressing view. And to have a person who is so genuinely warm whites and blacks alike in the light of that and who's despite the fact that he thinks he's telling the truth about that that his view is like those as he says of Martin Luther King or Jesus and I don't think he compares himself there but uh, you got to keep on struggling and that's something that I always have a you know we don't expect our leaders to win every battle we expect them to fight every battle and it's that kind of attitude that uh, was inspiring to me and so what I take out and the other thing I took out of it is kind of what you know, I get from uh, some of your life work is that this may not be a solution to the world's problems the way we're doing it here, but it's an approach. Uh, you know, it's kind of it's trivialized by think globally, act locally. But that that example that he gave in the question session about. Uh, the activist who brought the kids into the office, who torn his office up and hired him and got one of them a job and one of them in school. He says, that's not a solution to the problem of, you know, crime and all this stuff. But it's it's that kind of, you know, you, you can do something. I can do something. 
we can, you know, we can do something to, to affect the problem, whether it's going to solve the problem or not. You know, it's you, you, you do what you got to do in this world. And I guess a challenge to uh, whites that, uh, and to all of us, you know, just that, that we need to deal with these things. So I, I'm, I may not have, that's what I took from it. What other people took from it, I think, you know, you're right, is jobs. Jobs are key, you know, not crime, not uh, drugs, not uh, teenage pregnancies, not welfare. You know, how, and I thought, you know, one of the topics I wanted to talk about, you know, with you sometime is work. You know, you know, he talks explicitly about work defining us. You know, I think we define ourselves by our work, whatever we define our work as. Now, our work may not be our job, but uh, there may be some difference there between, I guess there's not some difference. There's different kinds of work. Did you ever yeah. read my picture on work? The only one of the few papers I've ever written. It was printed. No, I didn't, but I'd like to. Um, anyway, you asked me this about that, was, you know. Yeah. Um, I triggered me a little. I, I, think, I think the subject of work uh, I'd like to make. I, I consider our, ourselves still in uh, the book title area, you know. Right, no. Uh, the subject of work. I'd like to give you a couple of essays, one I wrote, and one that, uh, Amar, uh, I mean, um, a labor union guy wrote that I probably appreciate. I can't think of his name right now. I know it well. Uh, but I, I'd like to make a couple of comments on that, because in a sense, it, it triggers, it's a way to to look at when I say big picture, what I'm talking about. Um, when, when a Highlander in Nigeria, uh, who's never ever heard the word job, goes to Lagos, the wealthiest country in South Africa, I mean in Africa, Nigeria, uh, and gets a job and gets a little tiny room someplace. Uh, well, he knows for the first time the word job and work. He didn't know those two words before, really. Uh, and very quickly, probably in less than a year, his entire family will be living with him in that one room, and we have a new ghetto. <laughs> We have poverty, mm -hmm. and his and their families are now uprooted. My proletarian word, proletarian word, are uprooted from culture, from their language. They have a new language. They have new Saturday nights, and so forth. Um, um, now work. Very important to me, extremely important. So is socialism. The Soviet style has totally failed, and I'd love to deal with that somewhere. Why? Because socialism, socialism with a few couple of adjectives, is the only way out. 
but uh, a couple of weeks ago in the forum, we're reading Acts, and and people read this first part, and and Dennis Friesenkarper, who you know, was. Uh, and she says, you know, let's not skip over this one line here about how the early Christians lived. And it says they they gave all of their stuff away. They put it all into the pot and each took what he needed and each gave what he could kind of thing. And it was like, um, you know, it could have been a quote from Karl Marx about communism. And this is apparently how they lived then. And he said, Sometimes we ought to talk about that because we don't. You know, mm -hmm. That would be a cult <laughs> in uh, in our society. Uh, and I just, you know, I just throw that in as something. Well, I think I it's had, a. I, I, I use the word socialism, and uh, I, I don't want, don't think it's wise right now to spend much time on it. But uh, if I were to have a party, which I have, don't have, and I don't know where this party is, it would be called the revolutionary. Socialist Party with Freedom. Uh, and uh, what the Soviet style had was not revolutionary. And that's, I want to just say a couple words on that because that's what I wrote in my two little pages. Um, I really think most people are aware of the growing unbalanced disparity between the rich and poor in the world. I, I mean, I don't think you have to keep saying that. I think people know that. It's in every newspaper and everything else, you know. Um, and I, I think that most sound people, probably including Rush Limbaugh, uh, want to change that, you know. Um, and uh, all sorts of people want to change that. Republicans and Democrats cost more than defense. Huh? Uh, and uh, what I'm about is a recognition and awareness that the problem of liberating the proletariat is, that's, that's the socialist way of saying it, I guess, uh, is, is far greater, involves much more than changing uh, social structures. Um, you can have all the Section 8 housing, you can have all the welfare reform, job corps you want, and in no way will that be revolutionary. So I'm, I'm trying just to get a yeah, word yeah. or two on the table here. No, I understand what you're uh, And one right now is revolution. My word for revolution is change. When uh, Clinton ran we're on a change ticket, it, that's bullshit. Uh, um, he meant well. When Gingrich is, calls it the new revolution, that's not changing anything. Uh, yeah. Uh, pardon? Yeah. Um, and uh, just to confuse the issue a little bit, but what is at stake is what sounds grandiose or something like that, is man himself. Uh, and uh, all these things are not revolutionary. Everybody's working on it. Uh, um, 
And as long as we don't understand what's really at stake and what really needs to change the structures that that are destroying us go merrily along. Um, uh, the two primary primary structures that I will will go through everything I say and do um, is the state uh, and the instrument called technology know-how. Those two structures, and they don't live without each other, um, go merrily along, whether it's Republican or Democrat. Uh, don't think for a moment that uh, the Republicans are doing anything about reducing the state and the bureaucracy. They're not. Uh, I will argue. Um, it's a failure to understand that that technology has a life of its own. It's autonomous. Uh, it uh, centralizing. Uh, we're when I made that earlier statement on rigidity. As our society grows more and more rigid, our society is growing more and more rigid. There's no question about it. We have more rules and regulations every day on everything. Uh, um, and all in the name of good and quality. And that's the real insidiousness of it. Uh, uh, we have less and less democratic behavior as we call ourselves having won the war, Cold War, and more and more countries are now democratic countries. So, um, in the process, um, more and more cultures and traditions and languages are going under. Um, that didn't happen. I got documents, documents galore. I studied Vietnam for 15 years after Ho Chi Minh won. Uh, because here is a pure victory. Um, backed by Russia and China in a sense. They won militarily, socially, economically, politically. They won the war. We got our ass out of there mm -hmm. and didn't get all our asses out of there. <laughs> we lost. And so now socialism had won. And uh, now we're going to liberate the proletariat in Vietnam. Uh, I would love to, for you to, we did take time sometime to see. Uh, how in the next 15 years, uh, the proletariat was, they never knew what proletarianism was until they got going with their new socialists. Well, they were peasants. Huh? They were peasants before that. Well, that's a whole subject, too, on why China after Russia and so forth. But, but uh, uh, they became slaves. Yeah. And, and work was... Work was the key. That's what was kind of playing. That was uh, that was the key to their freedom was work. Uh, uh, that's a whole can of worms. But uh, uh, their re-education camps and so forth were unbelievable. The tiger cages during the war were nothing compared to those. And just like the gulags in Russia. They operated 
with silence, if if uh, if uh, Keith is in a concentration camp and uh, in Soviet Union or Vietnam, all the clan, all of the Gingrichs and the Reiners and the Terrells and Goods are not going to say anything uh, because uh, he's finished if you do, for sure. And so you don't say anything. <laughs> neat way to operate. Real freedom. So revolutionary socialism with freedom, and there, that's big for me. Extremely big. Um, that does mean democratic behavior at the base. Uh, that does mean self-determination, real self-determination. If we were to get into some ways out, which are more and more impossible for the third world and the whole scene, uh, we'd recognize that that probably has to be in little groups of a hundred or less, even to be remotely possible to have self-determination. But that's a can of worms there. But back to work then. Uh, so I just wanted to say, just trigger a little something on I am a socialist. I have no party. <laughs> so I'd like to I'd like to have a party. I'd like to be in a party. It would have to be called it have to embody change. That we really are about real change. Uh, and uh that's the thing globally our globally stuff. It has to be revolutionary. Nothing that we see is revolutionary. Nothing. In a corny, corny, this too shall pass way, the effort in Project Neighbors has been a little bit like that. I mean, it's um, because you mentioned the word, you didn't use the word I use. I use the word style. Uh, it, it's just to begin to understand that each one of us has, to, each one of us individually and then collectively for this revolution to take place, each one of us has to invent uh, a new style of life daily, daily, uh, a new way to do everything. And that's dangerous, costly. All change and all revolutions are costly and today we want to change things without it costing. That's that's the negative I saw, not by intent from Derek Bell, but I didn't see that communicated too much <laughs> as people walk. That's going to cost the hell out of out of uh, if you want change out of your life, um, and uh, that has to be done collectively, or it hadn't got a chance. But it has to start individually, of course. Um, um, our goal is to liberate the proletarian. Um, and, uh, and so, I, starting with the work thing, I, I, go, I would go back, you know, I mentioned last time that there's two new proletariats. The proletariat of misery and the proletariat of affluence that meet all the definition of Marx. But we'll come back to that. I'd go to work just quick quickies. 
Because a lot of labor people don't know this, I think. Um, you, you mentioned something, I don't remember how you said it, but, um, and of course I read the newspaper this morning and I read, I'm reading uh, Paul Simon's book, Bill, We Can Do Better Than This. Uh, jobs, at least Paul's stuff is a little more real. I mean, he recognizes that no, no corporation is going to open their doors and have more jobs out there. And he recognizes that, that the only, only employer has to be the state. Uh, but, uh, I don't think he understands why that's not change at all. That's not revolutionary at all. Quite the contrary. Work. Uh, the union folks don't seem to know that the subject of job and works is rather new in our history. I gave you that Nigerian thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you go back to Roman Greek slavery, the, the name of the game was not to work, was to sit around and talk about the city. That was the good. Uh, and through that time and prior to that time, including in, in, in the Hebrew, Israeli thinking world, uh, uh, work was a sign of the punishment of God. It wasn't good at all. It's not where you got your to be is what you do. All our march stuff, you know what I mean? It was, it's what you did when you were bad. <laughs> and uh, obviously God's punishing you. And uh, the whole redemption thing, which was common language, you're bought with a price, meant that you could free us, a worker, a slave, uh, if you bought him off. You know. uh, uh, and then comes the very famous for us Lutherans, uh, which not many Lutherans know, uh, essay by Martin, uh, the essay on the cobbler. All of a sudden, we now have, uh, we have to work because we just freed the slaves, you know. I think that had a lot to do with Constantinism and, and Christianity as an ism. Uh, by that, I mean, I'm just making this stuff up as I go here in a way. Uh, uh, Mahatma, for example, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, yeah, he, true, he was assassinated. We don't really know by whom, but I mean, he went for years and years to hate an enemy of the British, you know. They hated his guts. They wanted him gone. But because of Judeo-Christian uh, statements and how we operate, they couldn't do it. Uh, Russia had no problem with getting rid of somebody at that time. You know, you never heard of them. Period. That's it. Uh, we couldn't do that in a Judeo-Christian land. It's in that light that with, with 
Constantine making the whole Western world Christian, whether you liked it or not, and to kill a Muslim for Christ was the big good. Uh, uh, with those statements of what Christianity was, and it was neither Greek nor slave, and, you know, uh, um, Slavery, I think, ended, and so there are a lot of people that believe this, not because of economic reasons, but because of Christendom as, a, as an ism, as a religion fostered on the whole land. It, it just didn't, it just couldn't exist. It was totally contrary uh, to everything in the Bible, you know, no matter who read it. Politician or or believer, you with me a little bit? What mm -hmm. I'm trying to say, and so uh, long-windedly, uh, people had to now work. Um, they had to work, and then for several hundred years, I'm just paintbrushing big here. For several hundred years, next question is, what is good work in the eyes of Yahweh God? And it was deemed that good work was with nature, in your hands, and the earth, and uh, the devil had to do with money changers. So the state all had a Jewish money changer as secretary of the treasury in every country. Uh, the devil's work, which we had to have done. Stop and think when I say, in our little stuff here, when I say, in our in a full lifetime, ours in a full lifetime, we've gone from from insurance and investment as a mortal sin. In one lifetime, we've gone to it's a mortal good, you know. <laughs> And if you were to get a bulletin from the church at, at the university or at a manual, you would have on the back side of the gospel lesson for today a big advertisement from AAL Insurance Company. Who's printing, printing the bulletin? But that's quite a switch in one lifetime. Uh, well, I'm going back. It's efficient. Huh? It's efficient. It's very efficient. It's I mean, progress. It's progress. It's it's the good today, see? But, I mean, what I get excited about is that no conference, no theological conference or anything else discusses how we can go from uh, this one bad to this one good, which is totally in conformity with the world. The one we're in today. Total conformity with the world. The other one was in conformity with the world too, except we did have Jewish secretaries and treasurer and bankers behind the scenes running it. Okay. Uh, you know what? I mean, it's interesting because you were talking about Constantine, and you know, I don't know. I don't know my history as well as you do. It's a very important period. But. Uh, the good was ever to kill the Muslims. You know, that goes against thou shalt not kill as much as anything. And so, it, you know, this kind of switch of insurance is bad and investment is bad to its Nothing being good new. is not new. I mean, 
killing is bad unless, of course, it's a Muslim. Yeah. Well, I just very quickly, because it's a major subject for me, I'm okay. A major subject for me, because that was a very important period in the fourth century, 327, when Constantine, maybe his heart was in the right place, but we doubt it, okay? Um, he had, he was about to lose the kingdom, the emperor was, because of, because of people going in several different directions with their gods. And here comes a religion deemed to be atheist. It was called atheist because they were against all these gods, Dionysius, Zeus, all of them. Christian religion was called atheistic. Little band, little band people. Um, and, um, but they had an interesting thing. There's only one God. Constantine needed that. So he became a Christian. We only have one God. <laughs> and of course, he became the chief representative on earth of that one God. And the church fathers went along with that. Because look what we could do. I mean, we could conquer the world now for Christ. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because that's totally opposite, 100% opposite what the Bible says. The numbers are small. <laughs> Instead of crosses on your shield, it says the meek will inherit the earth, not, not legions with crosses on their shield and the Christ banner waving the crusades, capturing Jerusalem. Onward, Christian soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed kind of ironic to me. It's very ironic. Christian. Another major topic, uh, right along with this, very important to me, because I bounce between the two, theological and the secular. All today, we're the most religious society probably ever existed, world. Now, the religions are extremely secular Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, you know. Uh, there are a million new ones with nature and stuff like that, okay? Um, all religions, okay, probably very, including runnerism, uh, joggingism, uh, all religions have the book. The red book, the green book. They all have their Bible, including jogging. They have their Bible. They have their liturgy. They have their garments, if you will. Das Kapital, Mein Kampf. They all have a book, the Quran, and the Bible. Very, very intriguing. One little difference with the Christian faith, not the Christian religion. If you're if you're Maoist or Lenin or whatever, Stalinist, or if you're Shiite or Sunnite, you can go to your book and see where you're coming from. Stay with me on what I be sure you understood what I said. I mean a Shiite can translate this verse to mean kill the infidel. The Sunnite can translate this verse to have nothing to do with them. You with me? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, 
and Das Kapital can be taken this way or be taken this way, and you have a new offshoot. You with me? Mm-hmm. But how in the hell can you read the Bible, just what you said, and uh, and justify mass TV, the electronic message, or, or legions for Christ with their swords conquering the world, when the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth, and the numbers are small, few are they who, you know what I mean? How can you say, whatever you do, don't take an oath, as we put our hand on the Bible in courtrooms, and, or, or take an oath of office or anything, it says don't do that. How in the world can we call this an evil empire when it says, whatever you do from beginning to end of the Bible, don't judge. That's loud and clear from beginning to end of the Bible. Don't judge. Oh, I don't know. The people in, uh, people interpret the Bible the same way people interpret Das Kapital. I mean, they see it. There's enough said there that they see in it what they want to see. No, stay with uh, me on this. This is very important. I said before that these folks would take a Bible verse and one would take that same verse and go this way and another one would take the same verse and go this way. In the divisions in the Christian church, you don't take thou shalt not kill. You just avoid that one. You find another Bible verse for your position and another Bible verse for this position. I got you. You with me? Yeah, we ignore the one in Acts that talks about how the Christians live. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, and we find something that toots the horn of capitalism. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, well, that's that's what I'm. But what, the Christian faith is the only book that that we're doing exactly the opposite. It's not a matter of interpretation, um, and. Um, Now, we find that's a whole other subject, but we find it necessary to kill, to live, to survive. Okay? Uh, but thou shalt not kill is still there. That's what distinguishes us between animals which we worship today. We worship nature today. Let's be natural as we get more and more artificial in everything that we do. The big thing is to be natural. Uh, uh, all the animal kingdom lives by killing and doing what feels good. As, as a certain person tells me, my feelings, my feelings, my feelings. <laughs> but um, the animal kingdom lives by killing. What distinguishes man from animals is that we say no. To kill him and a lot of other things. We say no to our feelings. But fewer and fewer of us do. As we worship more and more feelings and process. Let me ask something here. I mean, 
that sounds nice, but in some respects, the animal kingdom is much more principled than man. I mean, lions don't kill lions. Cheetahs don't kill cheetahs. They kill the lower species. Man, of course, kills the lower species as well. But man is the only one that kills each other. So you say, we choose not to kill. I'd say, you know, if you look at the evidence, we choose to kill our own kind, unlike animals. Um, you know, we choose to say no to our feelings. That one struck a little closer to home. I'm just, uh, you know, I wonder what are the animals and the lions do what feels good. I'm yeah, sure of that. No, no. I think you're right on the feelings, is that we can say no. Yeah. We do choose to say no to our feelings. We do uh, do... I wouldn't be too sure even on. on the species. I think, generally speaking, you're right, but I wouldn't be too sure of that. Uh, on animals? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you get hungry enough and, and they may tear into each other. I'm just saying that as, as a... Uh, I think you would If find, we get hungry enough... Uh, right to the bitter end, even as we might kill somebody and eat them. Mm -hmm. There's going to be uh, some that won't. There's going to be some that uh, will justify themselves as they go down. I didn't do it or something, get their goodies that way. Or certainly if you have a sun god and so forth, or you don't mind killing the brother. Uh, because you're going to be, you're going to get your Awards in heaven because of your ism. I didn't mean to interrupt your thought. I just, you know, yeah. just it seemed counter. I don't think it is. I think it's right on. We we say no to what feels good, uh, and um, we have ability to say no. That's what it means to be human. Okay, that's that. I, I and that that is exactly. What is at stake today, as a matter of fact, we're being predicated. We don't say our own no's anymore. Uh, we're predicted. We're, we're being programmed to say certain no's, not our own. And I'm being corny here, but I never leave it when major advertisement I mean, powerful advertisement, which means it has, it sells. Be all you can be. Join the army. Nobody can argue with me that when you join the military, you can only say yes or no to those below you, your own. Only people you can say your own yes or no to. You cannot say your own yes or no to those above you. If above you says no and you say yes, you're you're out. You're dead. If above you says whatever, you cannot go against any level above you. If you're a commander, and here comes the supreme commander, you cannot be a human being. And yet we tout this as the advertisement of how to be. Join the army. I make a lot out of that. But, uh, 
That's our society. Well, but it, you know, it's kind of Orwellian. Uh, oh, it is. The difference is, the difference is, it's a happy one. It's uh, we'll reward you uh, well. I just mean the speech is is the the words. Uh, I mean, be all that you can be. Join the army is Very. a lie. I mean, it's a lie. Absolute lie. It's an absolute. I mean, it's just a blatant lie. But it's going to make you happy. In a world that has as its goal happiness, which can never be a human being's goal. Happiness can't. No. Say no to your feelings uh, for the sake of a per another person is not how we define happiness today. Happiness is a gift. If you marry someone in which you are happy in your sex life, happy in your sport life, happy in your work life, happy in your home life, happy in all things. You have been given a hell of a gift that very few people have. <laughs> and cherish it. Be glad. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It's been given you. It's a gift. You with me a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gift. Yeah, yeah. Happiness is always a gift. If if I have been given if I've been given the gift of whiteness that seems to allow me to not work very hard and, and not worry about too many things, just remember you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, it's a gift to you. Exercise responsibility with that gift and be thankful for it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I cannot say that I cannot say that being in a in a re-education camp in Vietnam for thirty years is happiness. I have a hard time, even though I'm fighting for the freedom of the fatherland. I cannot call that happiness. Okay, and I have been given a gift that didn't put me there. I've been corny, but to mm -hmm. exaggerate the point, and. Um, I can't call it happiness living in a unheated, rat-infested dwelling in which I can't get out of with my kids. I can't call it happiness. Uh, it's a gift. Back to work. These are all major subjects. They really are. Um, yeah, and right now we're just scratching the surface. I, I, that's right. And um, it's just, I mean, in, 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 in my view, what we're doing here, that's what we're doing. In my view, we're scratching the surface. I spent, this is one lecture. I mean, not more one, I mean, it's one seminar. Um, one thing I want to say is that, um, you know, if there's things you've written, um, or it's like the family history stuff, I'd like to get some copies of that. I'll give you that, and I'll give you the one essay I wrote that was published. Yeah, well, it, it triggered in my mind. Are there other? I mean, I know there are some other things you've written. Tons of this stuff, but it's incoherent. Uh, it? Huh? Scoot up a little. There. Thanks. That's it. That's it. No, I didn't mean. Um, 
but just a couple of... Wasn't, wasn't there, didn't you write a history on neighbors or... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, history? you're going to have that, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. that was a very objective history of uh, the first five years, uh -huh. which is loaded. I just, mean, I just mean there are some, anything you can think of that's, that's written down. Uh, what I'm sorry about is I haven't written down some stories of the first five years. Maybe we can get to that somewhere because I've never never done that. The joys and sorrows, that's that's not in there. Um, back to Martin, just to finish a little on the work. Back to Martin in the 16th century. People working, you know. And uh, so there's a shoe cobbler. Makes shoes. Captures the cow and skins it and dries it and everything under the sun and makes a shoe and sells it. And he writes an essay on the shoe cobbler. In the sight of God, this worker is as much of a priest as any priest priest. Sight of God. Very important theological point, you know, in a world in which the cross and crown were the same and hierarchy, authoritarianism, and everything, that's a radical statement. This jerk cobbler is every bit as much as that uh, archbishop or the head of the monastery or the monk in the sight of God as a priest, the priesthood of all believers. Radical. I mean, because we worship authority and hierarchy and the cross and the crown. That was that was a sacred, very important word for me. That was a sacred. We got to deal with sacred. That was a sacred. What Martin says, very few Lutherans would even know that essay. That is a radical, which we're called. That's a revolutionary. At that time, it wouldn't seem so today. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't even hold up today, which is the next point. But from that essay came, eventually, and Calvinism and everything else came, uh, the worship of the worker. To be is to do 